In this episode, we discuss the use of container technology for building industrial IoT applications. My guest on this episode is Neil Creswell. Neil is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Potena, which provides a container management system that simplifies container operations, allowing you to deliver containerized applications from the data center to the edge. Prior to co-founding Portena, Neil has been CEO and CTO of multiple companies in the cloud computing space, and he has worked as an IT architect for IBM Global Services. A quick thank you to our sponsors. This episode is made possible by our friends at HiveMQ, who are providers of an enterprise-grade edge and cloud-based MQTT broker. So please do check them out to help support this podcast. Welcome to the fourth generation podcast here on Industry4Odd.tv, which is a series of weekly interviews designed to help you learn industrial IoT from some of the world's leading practitioners. So if you're new here, please make sure to subscribe and click on the notification bell so that you never miss any of the interviews. If you find this conversation interesting, please review it with 5,000 Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, and you can also connect with me on LinkedIn at Kudzai Mandi Teresa. Okay, so Neil, it's, uh, it's great to have you on the show today. Thanks for coming through. Thanks for inviting me. Can't, can't wait to talk about all the cool things around Industry 4 and containers and Portana. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so today I would like to talk to you about uh, containerization, um, particularly in the context of uh, industrial IoT. Mm-hmm. So um, now to begin, uh, a, a huge portion of our audience here are industrial engineers. And uh, as you would know, containers are, are relatively new uh, to the industrial automation world. So maybe you could start by explaining uh, to the audience what containers are and how they work. Sure. Well, containers get their name a little bit. They're kind of riffing off uh, shipping container analogies um, because the the whole concept of a container in a shipping container speak is it is a completely safe, secure way to encapsulate a, a packet of something, could be tires, could be could be food, could be chemicals, package them up securely and ship them anywhere in the world in a very standardized, repeatable, predictable way. Uh, every single ship, every single truck is standardized on shipping container footprint and format. You can, you can ship a shipping container anywhere in the world uh, and it'll be transported in exactly the same way. So containers you know, rip off or play off that analogy with software. So containers in a software speak are a way to take a piece of application code or application functionality, package it in such a way that it is 100% portable and can run anywhere on any system in the world. So a, a containerized application runs on my PC. It can run in a data center. It can run in a cloud service. It can run on a PLC. It can run on an industrial PC. And it runs in exactly the same way every single time because it is a completely portable construct for for an application. Um, And it it is because of that very nature, it is the way now that application vendors are shipping their software because it is so predictable, so easy to support and so easy to maintain. Does that help explain things? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe now that we understand what, what containers are all about, what would you say are the benefits of containerization, uh, particularly in 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 factory floor uh, situations or in the industrial edge? 
So containers are a, a really interesting piece of technology because they provide isolation between themselves. You, know, you can have on, on a piece of, of hardware, you can run a container runtime environment like Docker or Podman or something else. Um, and in that environment, you can run a multitude of applications and each application is completely isolated from each other and from the underlying uh, operating system. So it's a really safe and secure way to, to run applications on remote devices. Now, if you think about the OT type environments, um, a lot of the time I would describe them like an egg. They've got a very strong outer shell, a firewall, but once you're in the OT network, you're, you've pretty much got freedom of movement inside, inside that OT network. Um, and that's, that's scary for a number of reasons. Uh, if your application is compromised and someone managed to get inside the OT network through piggybacking off that application, they've got free reign across that entire network pretty much. Um, and if, I don't know if you've just seen the news came out regarding the new malware pipe dream, um, which is infecting uh, the code sys uh, runtime that most of the PLC vendors use. Um, and it's a backdoor and allows hackers into your OT network through CodeSys. A prime example, if CodeSys was running in a container, it is encapsulated and secured and controlled and governed. So, you know, the, the primary benefit is around uh, isolation, security, encapsulation, control. Um, the second benefit is around uh, ease of update. So if you have a containerized application running out there on the factory floor, uh, you can update that in a very, very simple way. Uh, and if the update fails, rolling back to the previous version, it takes seconds. So in regards to the you know, updates, you're minimizing the risk of updates because you can update fast and you can fail back fast should you need. So they're the two main the two main benefits. Um, yeah. I think I think I think the final benefit, and by the way, there's dozens of benefits, but the, the top three yeah. um, would be uh, centralization uh, of control. So you can actually have a, a centralized control plane or a centralized manager managing potentially hundreds and hundreds or thousands of shop floor type environments, um, managing the, the container environments on the mall and centrally up, you know, deploying, managing, updating all those applications that are running. So now uh, I want to focus more on uh, on the industrial edge here. So like, I mean, as I've already alluded to at the beginning of this session, that one of the challenges with containers in, 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 in industrial facilities is the, the small number of people who understand and how to work with the staff. So what would you say are other challenges, technical or otherwise, uh, for implementing containers in, in, in industrial facilities? Well, containerization is an IT technology, right? It, it is. And not only is it an IT technology, it's an advanced IT technology. Yeah, if, if, if you ignore OT for a second and just say, yeah, corporate data centers, Inside corporate IT, containers can only really be be managed by a subset of of legacy IT people, right? So it's it's not it's not just a, an IT principle or technology that anyone can use. It's it's an advanced IT principle bought into OT. Now, yeah, OT engineers are very very good at OT engineering. Uh, they 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 don't necessarily have the same um, exposure to IT technologies let alone advanced IT technologies like containers. So the the, the uphill learning curve uh, for containers might be quite high. Um, it's it's very, very 
command line driven. You you drive you can drive you drive it from the command line, configure everything. You drive it from APIs, um, and 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 or you drive it from from code. So if you don't know how to how to SSH into a host and run command line instructions or write code to con to control it, uh, the learning curve is almost like a like a a wall as opposed to a nice steep ramp. Um, and that that's where that's where Portana comes in. But um, so there's that. There's, the second thing is if you're used to installing applications on like a Windowsy PC and managing your PLCs or, or managing your your control systems from a Windows PC directly connected, uh, then it's that's quite different. You know, the the whole containerization is very different. You, you're connecting to the physical device, running instructions on the device that's controlling Docker um, directly. So. It, it's quite it's quite it's quite different in that regards. So it has huge benefits, but it's quite difficult to get started. And that's that's why there are products like Portana coming out to say, well, hang on, let's let's try and abstract away as much of the IT complexity and make this technology available to OT engineers in a real you know clicky um, you know web based UI that that feels familiar. All right. So maybe to help us clarify this. Uh... Could you highlight what are the key differences between containerization in the cloud and containerization at the edge? Like, what would you say are the key differences that you could highlight there? So Docker and its other uh, ancillary products like orchestration, Kubernetes, other things like this, they were all designed for the data center. They, they really were. And they're now being morphed or you know, repurposed, reused, expanded, call it what you like, into the OT network. So the, in, into into industry four shop floor. But they right right from day one, they're built for the data center. So ingrained in the product, its natural behaviors, it expects a data center. It expects internet access. It expects reliable internet access. It expects uh, that there are security controls. That are, that are managing and governing it, it expects a whole bunch of stuff that is commonplace inside the data center, but is not so commonplace inside industry floor, shop floor edge. And so there's a bunch of configuration changes you need to make to get Docker and Kubernetes to work reliably at the edge. And there's a whole bunch of, of organizations that are working on making that easier um, by having having it pre-configured to work optimally on the shop floor. Products like, like Belena, as an example, so, you know, Belena takes the Docker runtime, modifies it so it works better on the shop floor, and that, that's a nice reliable way of doing it. Um, so there, there are there are differences. For example, just things like, like uh, the, the Docker pull command, which is how you get container images onto the device. It expects to be able to pull that from a public registry sitting on the internet now, there is no way that anyone in, in OT is going to allow their PLC connected to their factory floor to go and pull a random image off the internet to run a container. There's just no way. So you, you, have to, you have to think about, well, hang on, how am I going to get access to that? Especially because even, even in the most, I don't know, flexible or open network, the OT network is isolated from the IT network. It has to go through gateways. Those gateways don't route. They they might proxy if you're lucky. So how how do you get an image from a public repo that's either on the IT network or further afield? How do you get that image into a relatively isolated OT network? And out of the box, 
Docker and Kubernetes aren't designed to do that. And so you have to make modifications to accommodate. So there are quite a few differences. Okay. And then maybe when it comes to the issue of uh, compute resources, would you say that is a factor? Is, is that a contributing factor? Is, is like, like, cause typically in the industrial shop floor, you'd have devices that have what like really limited amount mm -hmm. of resource computationally speaking. Is, is that a factor at all? Is, is, with regards it to is. running containers? It, it, it is. Docker and Kubernetes expects to be running on big, fat old servers sitting in the data center. You know, multiple CPUs, multiple gigabytes of RAM, if not terabytes of RAM. Uh, and so when you when you try and fit that square peg into a round hole, uh, you know, things things go, go crazy. Now, a product like Docker, it's quite efficient. There's, there's about 100 megabytes of memory overhead to run Docker. So it's it's completely feasible to take a PLC with a single ARM um, CPU, one gig of RAM, or even five twelve meg of RAM, uh, and run a Linux operating system, install a Docker runtime, and do things like like a ePLC or a soft PLC, and Node Red, and uh, an MQTT piece of you know, piece of software on the device using Docker. That's completely feasible. If you try and use something like Kubernetes on those same devices, you're in for a world of pain because to even idle something like Kubernetes needs about 500 to 600 meg of memory. Just to idle, to do anything, you've got to have you know north of one gig. Um, I actually just published a blog recently where I, I took a bunch of devices with one CPU, one gig of RAM, installed Kubernetes on them and, tr and tried to deploy just one application and it failed. Um, so really, if, if you've got under a gig of RAM, there's no feasible way with any of the micro Kubernetes distributions today to run it on, on, on that type of hardware. So you're really limited to Docker. So yes, um, obviously hardware footprint plays a big a big part there. Um, if, if you've got more than you know four gig of RAM on your device, you've got a bit more flexibility. But if you're constrained, and most PLCs are constrained, then you really are talking about Docker, not, not Kubernetes. So one uh, architectural approach for, for, for building industrial IoT solutions that is um, enforced by using containers is the uh, microservices architecture. And, and again, this is a, a, a new kind of architecture when it comes to uh, industrial automation. It's been around in IT for, for some time, but when it comes to the industrial automation space, that's also a new uh, phenomenon. Maybe can you start by giving us a description of what microservices are and explain to us how they could be leveraged for, for, for industrial IoT. So microservices are not a prerequisite to use I IoT in Industry 4. It, it, microservices are a way of architecting an application. Now, microservices does not mandate the use of containers at the edge. You can use microservices with functions and other, other technologies. Microservices is a way of architecting your application so that it is broken into discrete, smaller components. Like in a, there, there might might be a particular piece of functionality that controls just one sensor, and there's another another piece of function that runs another sensor. There's another one that's running something else, another running else. So each of these would run as a separate container, and if you were to talk about it in container speak, so that you you might you you might say, well, actually, there's there's a bug in the software that's controlling my speed sensor. I'm going to fix that bug and redeploy it. The so just that piece of of the application is taken offline whilst it's being updated. 
the, the vibration sensor, the temperature sensor, the humidity sensors, these remain online because they are separate containers, you know, separate elements of the application that are not changed. You're only changing this piece. So it, your microservices lets you take your application, fragment it into a bunch of bits that's, so that you can actually maintain those bits in isolation, um, which again says, well, I'm actually going to take, take down a small piece of it while I update this. So it gives you that kind of flexibility. You don't have to do microservices to do containers at the edge. You can have a, a single container that's running MQTT, a single container that's running a pass-through database, a single container that's running a, a soft PLC. That's not microservices, but they still run in containers. Um, so you, you can do containers, containers with microservices applications, uh, or, or even microservices without containers. So they're they're all, you know, they're, they're different technologies combined. They're very powerful, but you don't have to run them combined. Now let's move on to uh, Portainer, um, mm -hmm. which is the most popular uh, container management platform in the world, uh, developed by a company uh, for which you are the CEO and co-founder. And uh, I must say you've done uh, quite some excellent work uh, building this and putting it out there. Thank um, you. Can you tell us what is Portainer and uh, give us an overview of how it works? Yeah, I, I describe it many different ways to many different people. Um, and it really, really depends uh, how the, the best way it would resonate for you. The whole principle behind Portana is to humanize the, the technology as much as possible. Um, as I said at the start, you know, containers are an IT concept and only a subset of IT engineers can grasp the concepts behind containerization. And right from day one, I, I, I believe that wasn't fair. Um, if only a subset of people can enhance their careers because they have the ability to, to comprehend and, and reskill themselves with containers, why should they be left behind? You know, we, we, we should be able to bring everyone in IT who wants to uh, on the journey to understand how containers work. And then at a, at a higher level, if only, if, if only the largest of companies can afford to go and hire or train staff who understand how to drive containers, then, then other other organisations who can't get left behind. And I, again, I thought that's not fair. You know, this this technology is such a transformational piece of technology. Every single company of of any kind of financial viability or maturity, regardless of where they are in the journey, should be able to adopt and embrace containerization technologies. We should be able to make that available to them in a way that their that their internal IT teams can comprehend and support. And so that that's what made us successful, because of this this humanization layer, and taking away a lot of the complexity from the tech. Organically, it's appealed to OT engineers, because OT engineers kind of fit into that 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 same camp. Yeah, OT engineers. I don't think many would claim to be IT experts. It's two. They're two very different techs. And so, because Portainer is is a tool that's designed to take away the need for an IT expert, you know, so to speak. An OT engineer will log into Portainer and find Portainer quite easy to use and will let them do some very advanced things without necessarily knowing what's happening behind the scenes. So it's kind of really helped in, in, that, in that regard. So yeah, Portainer is a tool that humanizes the technology. It abstracts away complexity without compromising on capability. Oh, okay. So well, correct me if I'm wrong. So does it mean without Portainer, uh, for you to be able to manage uh, your containers, you'd have to understand something like Kubernetes. Like you, you'd have to understand 
Yeah, hundred percent. With with, it, with without Fortana, your your ability to to get going with containers, you, you, you're going to have to send your people on training courses to learn Docker, to learn Kubernetes, to learn how to how, how to manage containers and applications. Containers are not virtual machines. Containers are not servers. That that they they manage in a different way. They troubleshoot you troubleshoot in a different way. You, you you performance monitor them in a different way. You update them in a different way. Any skills you might have in server management are not 100% transportable to managing containers. You have to relearn what you knew here, here. And for an OT engineer who is, who's familiar with PLCs and programming, it, they're very different. Yeah, so it, the, the actual, the, the relearning required there would be dramatic. Um, and so without Fortana, you have no choice but to go and put your people on you know, long training courses, spend the time and money and effort to get them retrained so they understand the platform and then, and then, by the way, retain them because these people yeah. are in high demand. So they need retain them. Whereas Portainer takes it away and says, uh-uh, any, any OT engineer should be able to log into Portainer and do some really cool advanced stuff without knowing necessarily the underlying tech. Now, when it comes to industrial IT or industry 4.0, are there any use cases for Portainer that you could share with us? I can't share names because uh, most of these companies have us under NDAs. Yeah. Um, but I can definitely share use cases. Um, we are used a lot on the shop floor where, where organizations are moving from legacy SCADA and they are investing in new MES software. And the MES software provider is making their software available as a container. Um, if, you, if you think back to the very start, right, I, I said containers are an amazing way to ship software. It, it makes it really easy to, to ship software. It makes it very easy for the vendor of the software to support it and update it and maintain it. And so every vendor on this planet, every, every, every company who's writing software is now preferring to write it and ship it as containers because it makes their lives much easier. Well, that's cool. But you're a factory floor. If you're a factory, you're, you're, you're manufacturing something. Your vendor now says to you, hey, our new MES, here it is here, it ships as Kubernetes. And you're like, Kuba, what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? So for, so for them, it makes sense. For you, not so much. Um, and, and so when, when, you, when you get the software from your, from your MES provider, how do you, how, how do you run this in your, in, in your factory floor data center or, 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 or comms rooms? How do you, how do you distribute the, the, the software that has to run inside the cabinets on on the actual uh, production floor. How do you, how do you do that? So, yeah, Portainer is is used in that regards for a number of organisations where they have a central instance of Portainer that's managed by OT engineering. Uh, there is a copy of Portainer running a small cluster of of Docker environments uh, that might be in a particular factory, uh, and then in the cabinets on each production line there are. PLCs or industrial PCs running Docker, running containers that are that's collecting sensor data and shipping it back to the MES provider. And Portana manages all of that um, at that level. Uh, and this is this is across the board in pretty much any kind of production facility you can imagine. Uh, if you have software running centrally, software running uh, that you know out at each production line that's controlling robots, sensors. You know, machinery facilities and pulling data back, then then that's that's where Portainer works. Um, we also work outside of that in smart building control, where you want to run again. It's very similar concept. 
you've got a building, you've got you've got um, you've got you know industrial PCs running in the building, controlling things like lighting and temperature, humidity, windows, all that kind of stuff. So there's lots and lots of examples there. Um, also, uh, predictive failure. So if you if you have you know, vibration sensors that are running, you know, if, you, if you're doing kind of retrofit um, kits on your existing shop floor machinery and you've got a separate parallel network, you might have retrofit kits there. You've got sensors running, collecting data, feeding them back um, yeah, to an AI engine that's that's determining, hey, this machinery is getting you know, uh, abnormal vibrations. There's probably something going to fail. Again, that's where Portana is used as well. So a uh, a, a lot of a lot of use cases in factory floor, a lot of use cases in, in smart cities, smart buildings. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, sure. That sounds really interesting. Now, when it comes to like your 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 product offering, uh what, what options are there uh for for for, for Portana? So Portana is as a company is a is what's known as commercial open source. So we have a version of Portainer that is freely available, completely open source, unsupported open source product. Um, anyone can get that and deploy it. Uh, I've got to be honest, a lot of the PLC vendors uh, who support Docker now ship Portainer or make Portainer available uh, through their web UI. So um, if you log into most of these, like we, we just, we've just partnered up with Wago as an example and um, if you log into the Wago web UI, there's a button to say enable Docker. When you enable Docker, it automatically deploys Docker and deploys Portainer for you, so you can manage it. Um, but uh, Phoenix Contact, uh, Vidmola, others, there's a lot of these other vendors who, as part of their firmware, ship Docker, ship Portainer, the open source community edition, just because of it, it's it's so easy to use. Outside of that community edition, we have Portainer Business, which is our fully supported uh, closed source proprietary version. Uh, in that version, we add substantially more capability around security and compliance, as well as adding uh, professional support as well. So if you're running this in your shop floor and it is a mission critical environment, uh, it is recommended to use the paid edition versus the free open source edition. Uh, not only do you get support, but you also get additional security compliance um, like uh, MTLS and other, other capability. So now to move on, um, so as I as I'd mentioned earlier, we've got like engineers and architects here who might be wondering right now to say, is there some kind of reference architecture for, for, for managing software in open in OT uh using containers that you could uh maybe you could provide insights on that? Yeah, we we've actually just just launched a new micro website uh within the Portano IO main website so on our now on our homepage there's a button that you can click to take you to I iot and inside there we've actually published uh two reference architectures that we see the most common um and then off those two reference architectures we we give you know detailed instructions or, about how how they work the benefits the the the, the, the limit the, the limitations we're going to be publishing a lot more specific instruction for those two so you know almost like a, a poc setup guide so if, if you want to deploy and try either of those two architectures, here are the steps that you'd go through. Um, and really it boils down to, is your OT network isolated or does your OT network have the ability to reach out and touch the internet? Um, they're, they're really the two most common use cases. Um, if your OT network is isolated, then things get a bit more complicated. You need to make a, make a few more adjustments to accommodate containers working well. If your OT network has the ability to reach out to the internet, 
uh, then things are a bit easier. Um, and so we've got the, these two architectures, which which show you in, in that regards. Oh. Also, very very happy to workshop um, with organisations as well. If if there's organisations who are looking to you know, undertake a industry for transformation and want to whiteboard and workshop, we're we're more than happy to to share our, our skills and experiences too. So yeah, we we'll, we've spoken at length uh, about containers and and Portana. and maybe from your experience, are there some best practices that you would say really stand out uh, for you with regards to working uh, with containers, particularly in the industrial domain? Uh, I think the main one is security. Um, you know, containers let you run applications and you need to be very, very, very careful because when you're, when you're running an application in a container, you're, you're running it from what's known as an image and an image comes from a container registry which is basically just a web server that hold, holds an image file. There's actually a lot of hostile actors who are taking into account that humans make mistakes and a lot of us spell terribly. Um, and you can take some of the most common container images, like if you took mosquito as an example, a lot of people don't know how to spell mosquito and hackers are publishing you know, hostile images with the most common spelling mistakes for the real mosquito image. And so it is beholden on you to ensure that you configure your environment in such a way to protect yourself from this kind of human error or, or, or malicious intent. Um, there, are configure op there are configuration options you can make to say, only allow my environment to run images that come from my trusted environment. Don't let any random image be pulled and deployed in my environment. So there's a there's there's a real onus on the OT engineer or whoever's responsible for running this industry for a project to correctly secure the environment. If you don't, and an engineer makes a typo and pulls an image, and it happens to be one of the hostile images that's been that's been you know brand piggybacked. <laughs> yeah. As I said, normally when you're on that OT network, you've got free reign. So you know, be careful. And there is there's definitely a lot of people. Uh, on on the warpath to try and get into OT networks. So th there's that. Um, also, you know, Docker and Kubernetes, they kind of expect you to know what you're doing. Um, if you don't know, like they're they're very customizable. You know, they're, they're very powerful. You can you can do anything you like, and they expect you to know what you're doing. And if you don't know what you're doing, you can get yourself in trouble real quick. Um, and so you either need a tool like Portana that takes care of that for you. So it, it protects you from yourself. Uh, or if you don't, you know, be super careful that you spend the time to, to learn the tech. Um, it's very, very dangerous to spend five minutes on Google and say, I've got this and deploy, get an application up running. It'll, it'll get up and running, absolutely. But it'll be insecure. The platform will be completely vulnerable. It's dangerous. So, you know, don't, don't, let, don't, don't let your own ego get in the way of, of safety and security. Um, you know, realize this technology is quite different. Realize that by default, it's massively insecure. And so therefore it's easy to get something running, but it's running in a really dangerous and secure way. So spend the time to either learn it or get a tool like Fultainer that will, that will do the best practice um, you know, things for you. Now, you have already highlighted that there's some uh, breed of PLCs that are uh, capable of running uh, containers right now. And mm -hmm. but, uh, looking into the future, I would imagine that uh, most, if not all, PLCs are going to be container-based. You know, can you can you give us insights into how a containerized uh, PLC may function? 
hundred percent. I I think that I mean right now I'd, I'd say there's still a little bit of fear around putting your PLC. And again, there's a difference between the PLC software that controls the piece of hardware and the hardware's ability to run things like Docker, right? So that a, a lot of these vendors who are bringing Docker, the PLC software still runs in firmware, but alongside that, it also runs a copy of Docker, which can run containers. Okay, so, so that that seems to be how most of these vendors are, are doing this. They've got the, the the operating system installed on bare metal, the PLC software installed on the operating system, Docker installed on the operating, operating system, and then containers. So the PLC itself is not containerized, other software is. And so now you can run ancillary software like Node-RED and, and other, other, other capabilities on the device talking loopback to the PLC software to control devices. So that, that's, quite, that's quite commonplace now for a first step. A second step, which is what companies like um, Revolution Pi are doing, where they're taking industrialized Raspberry PIs, they are actually running the PLC as a software container. A soft PLC, ePLC, call it what you like. Now that that's that's a bit radical, yeah. Um, and and you'd have to have a, a pretty a pretty open mind to accept that because it's still it's still quite early days. Um, and that that will that become more mainstream? I see no reason why it would not. Like for example, this this pipe dream malware that's currently affecting Schneider and other other uh, other PLC vendors. If that was running as a container and a patch was made available, you could push out that patch if if it was running as a container. You could push out that patch to all of your environments and have them all updating the new version of the container in a very short space of time. Because it's not, because it's firmware, an engineer is going to have to go to every single PLC and do a firmware update on that PLC. That's going to take a very, very long time. So, you know, the the, the same benefits why software vendors are shipping their their software as containers. Same thing applies for for PLC vendor software as well. It, it, it's far easier to maintain and control and update and everything else. So I think it is. It, it's it's not. It's not if. It's when uh, everyone switches to having container-based PLC software. Well, it 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 sounds like the 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 this advent of of containers affects not only just the the engineers uh, who get to work with this stuff at the factory floor, like in-house engineers, but also system integrators as well. What sort of impact do you think? Uh, containers would have in the system integration uh, business? Well, no one just deploys containerization. You don't, you don't just wake up in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to go deploy my, my factory floor in containers. You don't do that, right? It's the, there's, a, there's a whole project to make a change from, say, a traditional SCADA-type environment to an industry four, and that has an entire project team. It has architects, it has system integrators, and it has an ongoing support element. You know, Docker itself needs to be up, needs to be updated. The, you know, the platform has to be updated, it has to be maintained, it has to be supported. And so for, from, from a, a system integrator perspective, they have the ability now to offer new managed services around managing the whole containerization layer and you know, helping, helping organizations with OT engineers who don't want to manage containers to say, actually, we, we're going to manage it on your behalf. So there's a whole new managed service business that's going to spring up around this. Um, it also really does uh, open the door to a lot more IT-centric applications reaching down into the OT world. Um, if you take, for an example, video streaming, you know, video video streaming it is is a piece of software that 
really, really exists in the data center. You know, you've you've got you've got you know, head end ingesters that are ingesting a live stream. They're doing transcoding and and sending that that stream to somebody else. Yeah, that that's a real data center piece of technology. Well, in industry four, there's this amazing thing called third eye, where an engineer can wear a pair of you know VR goggles or it's actually augmented reality goggles that has a camera, and so the camera is taking a live feed of what the engineer is seeing. The engineer is is seeing what they're seeing as well as a transposed computer display feeding back to through through some kind of live streaming transcoding engine feeding back to a level three level four engineer somewhere else somewhere in the world so if you think about emerging markets that might struggle with some really advanced engineering concepts um, they might be able to now be supported by by uh, software vendors, system integrators on the other side of the world using this kind of third eye technology. So it really does allow you know system integrators from America to now offer industry four support services in Middle East, Africa, Asia, countries that that are potentially still developing and don't have the same level of OT engineering expertise. So and because you, you can bring IT software down into the into the OT space. Oh yeah, that's really interesting. You know, I I, I always say. Uh, to system integrators that you know this new technology like for example containers it's something that you you, you can't ignore because mm -hmm. it, it it attracts a new breed of system integrators people who would otherwise not be interested in industrial automation but because now there's this cool technology like you just described you've got containers it's now attracting a new breed of system integrators while crossing over from IT into this space. So just maybe as a comment, I would say this is a call to 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 system integrators to 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 try and learn this stuff because it's not going away. It, it, just just that's that's that, that's my opinion actually. Yeah, it's it's not going away. It's actually the the underlying technology is actually great fun to to play with and learn. Yeah, like it, it's incredibly flexible, incredibly powerful. And so it, as a result, it opens up massive opportunities for, for optimizations, efficiencies in the in, in the OT network, in, in Industry 4. It truly does. There is a massive array of software built for the data center that's now portable through the through, through the, the, the benefits of containers to be run inside the, the Industry 4 networking space. Uh, and that's amazing because... You know, industry four or, or the, the shop floor has been proprietary for so long with a very, very select group of, of software vendors. Well, now that's cracked, that's cracked wide open. Now, yeah. now there's now there's software vendors from wide ranging you know, fields now can now offer capability. Yeah, you know, medtech is another huge one. You know, obviously there's you know, medtech has been very closed loop proprietary, and now now you can run containers in in the 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 operating theaters in you're doing all sorts of stuff, you know, collecting, collecting patient data, your know, sensors and, and, you know, doing a whole bunch of, of smart analytics to help a surgeon to, to be a better surgeon. There's some really cool stuff in med tech. So that it's just cracked open the, 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 the whole, the whole software market to every software vendor now. So it's amazing. Yeah, I totally agree. So now if you were to like, maybe, um, make a prediction or maybe just to 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 share your insights uh, here what do you see as being 
the future of industrial software distribution? So software distribution, 100% containers, 100%. It, it, is, it is by far the best way that we have had in at least my 25 years in IT to, to distribute software in a, in a hyper-predictable way. You know, one of, one of the worst things with software was the it works on my PC paradigm. You know, a, a, a developer or a software vendor cannot reproduce the fault that the customer is, is reporting. That was so frustrating for both the customer and the software vendor. The customer has a problem. The vendor cannot reproduce the problem. The vendor tries and tries and tries and hands up. It's not my problem. I can't help you any further. The customer is left yeah. un unable to function. Containerization takes a lot of that away. Because you can actually say to the customer, okay, well, give me your container image, pass it back to me. I'll run it, I'll run your software in my environment. I'm actually triaging your actual piece of running software because they're so portable. So it, it makes it makes support way easier and and also the, the the ability to run an app, run applications so much more predictable. As I said, I can run some software at my machine, I can pass you. The file you can run it on yours yours and mine will run exactly the same you can then push it onto a plc you can put it on an arm an arm device an intel device a power pc device and it runs the same way it's hyper predictable hyper uh you know compliant common repeatable all those all those kind of adjectives it's it, it's that way to ship software okay interesting okay so now to conclude this session uh could you maybe share um Tell us a bit more about uh, Portena, uh, the company. Uh, where are you based? Uh, when well, was the company founded, and 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 so forth? Uh, yeah, we're we're six years old. We're a company founded out of Auckland, New Zealand, uh, which is for most people the complete other side of the world from probably anyone that's listening to me talking here. If you can even understand my accent, um, we have grown now. We have an office in California. We have an office in Hanover, in Germany. Um, we have a CTO based out of Germany uh, who is responsible for our industry for business unit um, who comes from that industry. Uh, so yeah, he is more than happy to sit and talk tech and wire up cabinets and do all sorts of cool stuff. Um, we've got developers all around the world uh, developing the software for us and we have a real focus on both data center capability and industry four. Um, we're taking a different approach. Rather than data center to edge, we're going edge to data center. So we're actually starting at the edge and saying, okay, what applications run at the edge and how do we help people get their edge systems back up to the data center rather than the other way around? Um, there's, a, a, there's a lot of vendors who, who go data center to the edge and they don't really understand the constraints that an OT network imposes. And then, and they've got these flawed assumptions, then it just causes frustrations. We're going the other way around. We're starting with starting with the edge and coming back to the data center. Um, so uh, we are venture backed. Uh, so we're not going anywhere anytime soon. Okay. So Neil, that uh, brings us to the end uh, of this session. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to come out uh, onto the show to share your insight with the audience. No problem. And if anyone has any questions, I'm very receptive to email. It's simply neil at Fortana.io. So anyone can email me and I'll respond. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you.